You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Red Sox podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Jake Devereaux, joined as usual by my co-host, Matt Collins. We are here to bring you the best Red Sox coverage on the internet Monday through Friday, and we want to be part of your daily routine. So be sure to subscribe to us on Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. This is your July 25th edition of the podcast, and on today's show, we're going to be talking about the 3-2 loss to the Tampa Bay Rays, um, but we're going to kick off the show talking about the weirdness that happened uh, in the game with uh, Alex Cora ending up uh, protesting this one. Um, this episode is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Um, don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. All right, so I think it was um, right after uh, Tampa Bay. Well, I, it, the the thing is showing this weird. The box score is showing this strangely, but how it actually happened when it was playing out is Choleric came in to face a batter. Um, then they brought in uh, Chaz Rowe to face a different batter, and then they put Choleric back at first base. And then Kalerik came back into the game to face Devers because they wanted that lefty matchup. And Alex Cora took big time issue with, um, it seems where they were going to be hitting in the, the batting order. That's the best that I could understand this thing is that it had to do with the batting order and the fact that, um, the DH spot was in question, and and who should be hitting where in the batting order? This, I have no idea <laughs> what the fuck happened, um, and that is, I mean, I we can get into the actual mechanics of what happened in a second, but to me, the thing that I come away from all of this with is these umps need microphones. It's insane that they could have a 20 minute delay and not explain it. <laughs> like, I, I can't just listen to Dave O'Brien and Carlos Pena try their best to try and figure out what's going on. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous that every other sport has figured out a way where fans know right away what just happened, why they were arguing, what the result was. And I'm still, I still have no idea what happened. Um, I don't really understand why the game is under protest. It seems like the Red Sox got what they wanted. Um, and, I mean, we should mention that we're recording right after the game. So by the time you're listening to this, it'll probably be a little more clear. But it's just it's crazy to me that there's no communication device for the umpire to fans and the media. I mean, the press box got an announcement, like, two innings later. But it's it's crazy to me. Yeah, Um I don't know if I want to hear uh, Angel Hernandez try to figure this thing out for 20 minutes either, though. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun to me. I mean, it's it. I can't possibly come away from that more confused than I am right now. There's just no way. <laughs> well, Kalarik came in, I guess. So I guess the whole thing has to do with where Austin Meadows was, right? Because Austin Meadows was the DH today. Kalarik, when well, he was playing first base took his spot on the roster. The right? rule is that you lose your DH 
if the pitcher goes to um, play a position and comes back in the game, which is a rule that I never knew about until today, um, but you automatically lose the DH in that spot, which I believe the Rays have done this before, and that rule was not enforced. So I'm thinking Kevin Cash might not have known about this rule, but the rule says once the game pitcher is switched from the mound to a position on defense, such move shall terminate the designated hitter role for that club for the remainder of the game. So then it's really not a real rule if you, then you can just go in and pinch hit for your pitcher. Well, I mean, that's because there's no penalty really aside from you. Losing. Well, you lose Austin Meadows from your lineup. Sure, you lose Austin Meadows, but you still get an actual batter in that position. Well, I mean, that's how it always is, right? I mean, you can always pinch it for a pitcher without a DH. I mean, that's how it is in the National League. Yeah, but I just, I guess I just don't understand what the issue is. I, I think <laughs> from what, this is total guesswork. Um, the, I don't know if it seems like Cora thought that Kevin Cash made a mistake and there should have been some sort of penalty like choleric maybe not being allowed to come into the game or having to leave the game because he submitted the lineup card wrong. I don't know. Oh, might have been I don't know if that, Yeah, I don't know if that's what happened. Um, a quote I'm seeing on Twitter is he say he's not even he can't even explain. It. He says it's hard to explain. He says they kept a D, he kept the DH in their, on their lineup card, meaning they had a pitcher, a first baseman, another pitcher, and a DH in the lineup. Hmm. Um, so he said it was a legal substitution. So I'm guessing he thought that somebody should have been um, taken out of the... I'm, I'm assuming he doesn't think that Kolarik should have been allowed to stay in the game, but I I really have no idea. Well, I, it I is under protest. There's like a one percent chance that something will actually come of it, but there is a slight, slight chance. Yeah, a game under protest basically always means nothing. Yeah, it basically just means the Red Sox are saying, "Hey, we see you guys." <laughs> they, they're tweeting out the eye emoji at them. Yeah, basically. I mean, it's just it's, that was so weird, and I don't really have. Like, I know a lot of people are complaining about the delay, and, I mean, it was obviously annoying. And I got in my Angel Hernandez jokes, too. But, I mean, clearly this was... Nobody knew what was going on here. I mean, Kevin Cash didn't know. Alex Cora didn't know. This was just totally bizarre. It was. Um, on the baseball side of things, though, um, we had a couple good pitching performances here. Um, Charlie Morton really buckled down after the two... Um, the RBI uh, hit from... Uh, Rafael Devers and went seven strong, struck out 11, didn't walk anybody. Uh, he looked great today. His curveball is just so sick. It's it's really a work of art. And then David Price today, um, I thought he looked pretty good. He didn't. He wasn't his absolute best self, and his velo was a little bit low in the first inning. But I thought once he got a ro- on a roll, Price looked pretty good, and he ended up striking out eight today over six innings, throwing 98 pitches. Um, both these guys pitched well enough to win, I thought. Yeah, I mean, for Morton, um, you kind of feel bad because if it wasn't for all that weirdness with uh, that we were just talking about, he clearly would have been the story of the game. Um, I mean, we're talking about a legitimate Cy Young candidate, and he he did give up those two runs. But like you said, I mean, he dominated after that. He really dominated before that too. It was he had like a three batter stretch where he got into a little bit of trouble, but other than that, I mean, he was just filthy. Um, Price 
I think was a little worse than you, I guess. Um, he really, he looked really bad in that fifth inning. Um, ended up only allowing two runs, which obviously could be a lot worse than that, but, um, his cutter, I mean, they've talked about it. Cora's talked about it. Levandri's talked about it. It's not good right now. Um, it had some moments today, but that pitch, I mean, I talked about it so much in the first half of the year. That was, that pitch is so nasty and is kind of the key for him. So he's really going to figure out a way to make that the focal point of his game again. Yeah, it seems like he's been more change-up reliant than he was uh, in the past when that when that cutter was working so well, that backdoor cutter that he throws to uh, righties specifically. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the weapon right there because I mean, if he's locating that pitch to righties, it's it's all over. But um, I mean, he only threw it 16 times today. It was his least used pitch, and that um, that's just not a recipe for success for him at this point in his career. And he did get beat on the changeup, uh, the pitch that Tommy Pham hit out. That was just the, an awful uh, pitch. The, the, the corner, yeah. That was just a middle-middle changeup. That... Yeah, he left it up in the zone, which, I mean, it happens. And fortunately, there was nobody on base for that. But, yeah, that was a terrible pitch. I thought um, Corey Brewer... Uh, Jesus Be back Christ. to this again. <laughs> Colton Brewer here um, did a good job today when he came in for um, Hembry. Uh, specifically, I really liked his front door cutter to righties. That pitch was nasty for him today. Yeah, he he is what he is. His I still get concerned. I mean, he did walk that guy, load the bases, and his control his control just isn't there yet for me to feel good when he came into the game. But uh, at the end of the day, he came into a tough situation and didn't allow any of the runs to score. So he did the job. Yeah, Heath Embry, though, definitely has been struggling since he came back from the DL uh, or from the IL. I, I think I'll never get used to saying IL, but yes, he, since since he came back, um, Hembry has not looked like he did before he went on the IL. Um, and if I was Cora, I would try my best to stay away from him in high leverage spots until he looks a little bit better. I agree. Um, I think... Right now, with the amount they're using their bullpen, it's a little easier said than done. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, especially today, I mean, he's just totally relying on that fastball and his fastball is just not good enough. He threw 15 out of 17 times in this game and that's just, I mean, he's got some velocity now and then, but it's just not a good enough pitch where he could throw that that often and get away with it. Yeah. We'll put a bow on this one by um, pointing out that J.D. Martinez had two more hits today, um, which is a great sign for him. It seems like he's finally starting to get going. He's having a good series down there at Tropicana Field. And oddly enough, this 3-2 loss is the first time that the Red Sox have lost at Tampa Bay this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, this was a pretty frustrating game. But at the end of the day, they took two out of three. And heading into the series, I think all of us would have taken that. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to have a quick break here. Word from our sponsor, and when we come back, we are going to talk about the upcoming series against the Yankees. All right, welcome back for segment two. So the Red Sox now uh, head home for a crucial homestand where they're going to have the Yankees for four plus Tampa Bay for three. The way that that lines up at home, it's going to be Porcello versus Tanaka on Thursday night, um, Kashner versus Paxton Friday night, Rodriguez versus Sabathia on uh, Saturday, and then Sunday Night Baseball 
uh, Sale versus Domingo Herman. Uh, Going to be a pretty awesome series. Definitely shaping up to be very important. Yeah, I don't know about the awesome pitching matchups. Um, I think that there might be 45 runs scored uh, on Thursday with Porcello and Tanaka pitching. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously this is huge for the Red Sox. Um, weirdly enough, this is the first time the Yankees will be in Fenway this year, which doesn't really make sense, but it is what it is. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the Yankees are kind of, I don't know if they're scuffling quite, but they're not really as sharp as they have been. Um, so hopefully they're catching them at the right time. If they can, if the Red Sox can find a way to steal three out of four in the series, I think that's, that's where you really start to feel good. Um, if they split, you kind of feel okay, better than you have most of the year, but still not great. If they lose the series, then it's right back to where we've been for pretty much the entire season. Yeah, um, I, I think that these pitching matchups do favor the Yankees, though, by and large. I think the the Red Sox might have the advantage on Sunday with Sale versus Herman. Um, the way that Rodriguez is pitching, I think he's even or better um, versus Sabathia on Saturday because Sabathia always pitches well against the Red Sox, so that's why I think that one's a little bit closer. Um, Paxton versus Kashner's huge edge Yankees, and then Tanaka versus Porcello, like you said, um, that could be one where there's a million runs scored, but with how bad Porcello's been, I would much rather have Tanaka than than have Porcello on the mound. And that's yeah, I mean, something coming from me. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about that. Um, the good news is, well, yeah, the good news there is that the Red Sox generally seem to hit Tanaka well. Um, I mean, he's obviously had some good starts against the Red Sox. They faced him a million times in his career, so he's not... They haven't crushed him every single time, but it feels like more often than not, they kind of have his number. Um, and also, Paxton... I mean, Paxton is obviously a better pitcher than Andrew Kashner. Um, I will not argue against that, but he also hasn't quite been himself lately. Um, so this is... An opportunity for the Red Sox to kind of flex their muscles a little bit and get going there. So, um, I think, I think there's probably just going to be a lot of runs in this series all the way through. Yeah, that would be pretty on par for these two teams. Um, and yeah, James Paxton for this season has a 420 ERA, which is kind of shocking for him. That's not, not very typical of James Paxton. I don't, I, I've never, I wasn't a huge James Paxton guy coming into the year. So, I mean, he's doing worse than I thought, but, uh, the home runs have been an issue. And I think that was kind of not too hard to foresee with him moving to Yankee Stadium. Yeah, we're going to have to see how this goes, but we're, uh, we're definitely looking forward to it. And then after that, they get Tampa Bay for three with, uh, Price, Porcello, and Cashner on the mound for the Sox and those ones. It's going to be a, you know, we've been building this all season as the big stretch, so it's going to be going to be definitely interesting. Um, the Yankees are relatively healthy, though, coming into this one. Their lineup as it stands right now looks like DJ LeMahieu, Aaron Judge, Aaron Hicks, uh, Edwin Encarnacion, who's been awesome for them since he got traded, Didi Gregorius, who's been struggling this year since he came back from that injury, um, Luke Voigt, Gleber Torres, um, Brett Gardner, and then Austin Roman doing the catching because Gary Sanchez has been placed on the IL. So uh, they're not 100% healthy, but they're definitely still a, 
crazy dangerous lineup. Yeah, they're still scary. And I mean, Gregorius, he's been, he hasn't been great this year on the whole, but he's been scorching hot lately. So, um, they are, they are scary. Yeah. All right. Well, this uh, wraps up the show. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please go on and rate and review us on wherever you're listening to the podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can follow the Locked On Red Sox account at LO underscore Red Sox. You can follow Matt at Matt R.Y. Collins, and you can follow me at Dev Jake. You can ask us questions and interact with us there. You could also urge other Red Sox fans to subscribe to the show. We always appreciate that. And fans of the league as a whole, tune into Locked On MLB to get an overview of what's happening in the league in just 15 minutes. So thank you very much, and we'll be with you for tomorrow's episode.